Okay, we are holding by Perek Beis in the Sefer Shmuel. Uh, Shmuel is split up into two, actually, the Shmuel Aleph and Shmuel Beis, two volumes or two sections to Shmuel. So we're in Shmuel Aleph, Perek Beis, the beginning of the second chapter. And last week we did the first chapter, Perek Aleph, and that was the story of the birth of Shmuel, the whole um, fascinating story about uh, Hannah, uh, the Hannah, who, as we said, was a Nevi'ah, a prophetess, and her husband, Elkanah, who's a tremendous Sadiq, and they come to Shiloi. Hannah doesn't have children. But ultimately, uh, Hannah Davins, and you have Elia Koyin, the Koyin Godel. We, we spoke about it last week. It was really a story of three Tzadikim last week's class. You have Elia, the Koyin Godel, and Hannah, and her husband, Elkanah. And Eli sees Hannah Davening, but he mistakenly thinks that she was just drunk. Whatever explanation, we, you know, we talked about that last week. Point is that Eli benches Chana. Eli says that Hashem should listen to your bakasha, to your requests, and indeed Chana gives birth to a son. She calls him Shmuel uh, because she requested, she asked him of Hashem, and she also made a promise even before he was born that this child would be entirely dedicated to Hashem. He would be a Nazir um, with the laws of Nazir, and he would be entirely dedicated to serving Hashem. And that's exactly what happens. The first two years, as uh, she nurses him, it stays home. But then after two years, she brings Shmuel to the Mishkan. The Mishkan at that point is in Shiloh, right? We're talking about before the building of the first base Mikdash. So the Mishkan is in Shiloh. And Hannah comes with her husband Elkanah to Shiloh. And she presents her two-year-old son, this little child, to Eli the Kohen Gadol and says, this is the child. Al-Hanar Spalolti, this is the child I daven for, this is the child that you blessed me, and you said that Hashem should hear my tefillah, and I'm leaving him here. I'm leaving this child here with you in the Mishkan Hashem to be a servant dedicated to Hashem. And that's really where, where last the uh, first chapter ends. Um, and that's what she says, Hashem. Mm-hmm. She bows, and she and her husband Elkanah bow to Hashem, and they leave Shmuel in the care of the Kohen Gadol Eli. That's the end of Perak Aleph. The beginning of Perak Beis starts with the very beautiful tefillah of Chana. As after she tells Eli HaKoyin that she is leaving Shmuel with him, she launches off into a very, very beautiful tefillah. And this too we say in Shul in the Haftorah on Rosh Hashanah. Um, on Rosh Hashanah, the first, day, the first day of the year, we read in the Haftorah the entire section of the birth of Shmuel, and, the last, and it concludes with the tefillah of Chana after she leaves Shmuel. And that's, it's really a, a beautiful tefillah. And without a doubt, we, a class can be dedicated just to studying her tefillah, but we're not going to do that. We'll just go through a couple of points in her tefillah. So really, it's praising Hashem and talking about her simcha and, and um, because of the Yeshua, that here she was sad for so many years and, and so um, despondent, and how Hashem gives her the simcha of having this child. And really, her entire tefillah discusses the fact that everything is in Hashem's hands, and that one should never be overconfident. Um, Chana, there's a veiled um, uh, reference over here to Penina, right? Who was Chana's, who was the other wife, and the one who would um, who would really uh, antagonize Chana. Uh, Penina, we know, had ten children, and Chana had no children for many years. So there's, there's veiled reference to Penina. And Chana talks about that nobody should be proud and nobody should be haughty and nobody should think that 
their success is guaranteed. Everything is in Hashem's hands. She said so one of the psukim she says in her tefillah is that is a pasuk that we actually say in davening in the morning right before in kelokenu. Now, um, if you if you go through the entire shachris, so towards the end of shachris there's the in kelokenu right before elenu, right before elenu, and right before in kelokenu there's two small lines, which is a couple of psukim, and one of the psukim is in kadosh kahashem ki in biltecha. There's no one holy like Hashem. There's no one but Hashem. The sur kelokenu. There's no rock. Rock is strength like Hashem. That is a pasuk we say before in kelokenu, and that is directly. It's a quote from the tefillah of Chana. In fact, Chazal say an interesting explanation. The word is sur kelokenu. Again, sur means a, a rock, like a rock of strength. But Chazal say it also means sayor kelokenu. The word sayor is an artist. And uh, Chana said that Hashem is not only the stone and the, the rock upon which everything rests, but Hashem's art is also incomparable. There's no artist, there's no one who can create what Hashem creates and the beauty of Hashem's creation. And perhaps the greatest art of all, says Chazal, is that Hashem is able to create a tzura within another tzura, which is the idea of, of a child, a child being uh, that grows within the womb of a mother, that's one surah, one creation, that's being developed within another creation. And that's, the Gemara says, is what Chana was referring to when she said, Ein sur kelokenu, that ain't sayur, there's no artist like Hashem, who's able to create beautiful creations, and within those creations have other beautiful creations flourishing. All of that, she was talking about the beauty and greatness of Hashem's creation. That's one of the psukim that she says. Um, another quote in one of the psukim, that's quoted extensively, especially Kabbalistically, is she says, Kikel Deos Hashem. Um, literally, that means that Hashem knows everything. Hashem is the source of all knowledge, knows everything. But interestingly, it says Deos, that is if there's two levels of knowledge within Hashem. And uh, again, Zohar talks about it, and in Tanya, there's a lot of reference to the concepts called Das Elyon and Das Tachton the higher form of knowledge of Hashem and a lower form of knowledge of Hashem, um, which is way beyond the scope of our Navi class, uh, really, Shar HaYuchud V'Hayamuna, the second section of Tanya, is very much based on this concept of Das Elyon and Das Tachton, different levels of Hashem's Das. And the Pasuk that's typically quoted as the source of that is from this Tefillah of Chana, Kikel Deos Hashem, that Hashem is a God that combines that brings together two forms of das, uh, a higher, more supernal, more spiritual das, and a lower das, and that is all alluded to in Chana's words of Kikel Deos Hashem. Um, another quote, again, I'm just running through a couple of the famous quotes that come out of that tefillah of Chana. Another beautiful quote that she says is, Hashem meimis umechaye. Hashem puts to death, and Hashem makes live. Morid Sheol brings down to the depth Vayoal and raises one up again. So here she's referring to life and death. Hashem gives life, Hashem gives death. Um, everything is in Hashem's hand, Chana says. But of course, it's a little bit odd, the order. She says, Memis Umechaya, that he puts to death and makes alive, when seemingly it's the other way. First he makes alive and then one dies. Why does she say 
that Hashem puts to death and then makes one alive. So some say that she's referring to Tchiyas HaMesim, that there will come a time after people die that they will be made alive again. So that's one possible pshat. I saw from the Chida, we've quoted a number of times from the Chida, Rav Chaim Yosef David Azulai, he says that she's referring to the concept of Gilgul, of reincarnation. Um, the Arizal, we know, wrote a lot about Gilgul, the Sod HaGilgul, the secrets of Gilgul, the secrets of, re- of reincarnation, by which, even after a person dies, they come back again. Uh, because everyone has to fulfill all of the mitzvahs, and everyone has to fulfill their missions that they come to this world for. And therefore, when one passes on, typically the job wasn't fulfilled in one lifetime, so they come back again. Says the Chida that this is alluded to in Chana's words. Hashem memis umechaye. Hashem puts to death, and then he brings that person back to life again. Not just by Tchiyas HaMesim, when Mashiach will come, even beforehand, throughout our lifetime, throughout the times of, times of Golos, there is the concept of life after death in the sense of Gilgul, in the sense of reincarnation. She also says, at the end of that post, that Hashem brings down to the, to the abyss, or to the depths, and raises one up again. Says the Gemara, what was she referring to? She is referring to Korach. Because Korach and his family were swallowed up in the ground, and then the children of Korach were brought back up again. And we mentioned last week that Shmuel was a descendant of the children of Korach. So really when Chana says, Meirid Sha'il Vayo'al, that Hashem brings down to the depth and brings back up again, she's really praising Hashem and thanking Him for the fact that Shmuel's grandfathers were brought back up from within the ground after they were swallowed up in the story of Kerach. So These are all allusions in Chana's tefillah. It's about, uh, what is it, about uh, maybe 12 sukim long or 13 sukim long, her tefillah, again, with a number of such beautiful, uh, 10, 10 sukim, in the whole tefillah, but a number of beautiful allusions as we've been seeing. Um, she goes on. Oh, so most of the tefillah is praises of Hashem. But at the end of the tefillah, she requests of Hashem. And she davens for her son, for Shmuel. And that's the last, um, the last two psukim of the tefillah are devoted to a prayer for her son. And Chana, who again, as we saw last week, is the master of tefillah. Um, last week we discussed what the Gemara says, that many of the laws of tefillah we learn from Chana. So one of the beautiful laws of tefillah, and that Chana very much exemplifies, is that before we ask, we begin with praise. That's how the Shmona Esrei is built as well. Our Shmona Esrei begins with praises of Hashem. The first three brachos are primarily praises of Hashem. And then we move on to the bakoshos, which is the requests. So we request after we praise, after we acknowledge the greatness of Hashem. And Chana does exactly that. And that's why the first eight psukim of her tefillah are all different shvachim, are all different praises of Hashem, um, some of which we mentioned already here. And the last two psukim is devoted to her davening for her son Shmuel. Um... And there she says a, a couple of things, but I'll just mention a little bit. She says, Hashem yechatu merivav alav. 
that his uh, his enemies, those who uh, those who fight him, um, Hashem should destroy them. And Bashamayim Yarim Hashem, Hashem should um, thunder on them, or 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 I guess from the heavens, Hashem should thunder and come down on Shmuel's enemies. And in fact, exact, that's exactly what happens. Much later, a couple of uh, prakim later, we're going to learn as Shmuel leads the Jewish people into battle against the Pelishtim, against the Philistines. And there, the pasuk says exactly these words. Actually, it says that um, um, that uh, what's the lesson? Vayarim Hashem aleihem bekoil gadol. That when Shmuel was leading Klal Yisrael into battle against the Pelishtim, so there it says Hashem thunders on the Pelishtim with tremendous. Uh, noise and sound and thunders from heaven, and the plishtim scatter. So really, it's Chana, who's uh, who's this Sadekis and Neviah, prophetess, who's davening for her son, who's barely two, who's two years old at the time, and yet she sees into the future and she sees that he's going to have to fight the battles of Hashem, and he's going to have to fight the plishtim, and already she's davening for him that Hashem should um, be with her son, that he be victorious in battle, and specifically she asked that Hashem should thunder on the enemies from the heavens, and that is exactly what happens later in the story of Shmuel. When we get to there, we'll reference back here again. And then she says, Yadin Afsei Oretz, that my son should judge till the corners of the earth, or the corners of Eretz Yisrael. And indeed, that's of course, that's exactly what happens, as we'll see, maybe even we'll get to there tonight, that Yeshua, that, I'm sorry, that Shmuel becomes a Navi and Shefet, who's accepted by Klal Yisrael throughout Eretz Yisrael. From every corner of the land, everyone knew of Shmuel and everyone accepted Shmuel. He's one of the super Navim of Klal Yisrael. And again, his mother, Chana, is davening exactly for that already when he's a child. Yodin Afseyaretz, he should judge to all the corners of the land. And she finishes her tefillah with the words, Ve'yiten oz Limalko, that Hashem should give strength to his king, Viyarim Keren Meshicho, and raise the horn, so to speak, of his anointed one. Who is she talking about? Again, everything Chana is saying with, is with Nevuah. And she says Hashem should give Oz, strength, Limalko to the Melech, and raise the anointed one. So, these are the two kings that Shmuel anointed, which we already mentioned last week, that Shmuel is going to um, anoint the first two kings of Klal Yisrael. The first one is going to be Shaul HaMelech, and then it's going to be David HaMelech. Both Shaul and David, the first two and of the most famous kings of Klal Yisrael, are both anointed by Shmuel. The difference is that Shaul is anointed by Shmuel, and then is actually made into king by Shmuel. It's not just the initial anointing. Uh, Shaul's um, reign begins under Shmuel. David HaMelech, on the other hand, is going to be anointed by Shmuel, but is not going to begin his reign until after Shmuel's passing. So, Chazal tells us, the Gemara tells us, look how exact the words of Chana were. V'yitan oz lemalko, give strength to the king, that's Shaul, who is going to be a king in the time of her son Shmuel. And then, V'yarim keren mishichai, let him raise, let Hashem raise, the horn of the anointed one, that is David, who's not actually going to be a king in the time of Shmuel, but is going to be anointed by Shmuel. So Melech is referring to Shaul, and Meshichai, the anointed one, is referring to David, and Chana is davening for the Hatzlacha 
of these two kings who are going to be set into motion by Shmuel. And that's the end of the Tefillah of Chana. And again, it's also the end of the Haftarah of Rosh Hashanah. Um, the, where after the story of the birth of Shmuel, we have that Tefillah, where, again, the, the majority of it is the, um, the Shvachim, the praises that Chana says to Hashem. And the conclusion is with the Tefillahs, with the Bakashas, the requests, for the Hatzlacha of her son Shmuel, overcoming all enemies, judging Klal Yisrael, and anointing and beginning the kingdom of the first two kings of Klal Yisrael. That's the end of Tefillah Shchan. The Pasuk goes on and says now that uh, Elkanah and Chana return to, the, to where they lived in Ramah, and the child stays with Eli HaKoyin. And the Pasuk says an interesting expression, Vanar hoya mishoris es Hashem, the child, Shmuel is called the Na'ar, the child, he's still a young boy, is mishoris es Hashem, serving Hashem, es pnei eli hakoyin. Um, es pnei in front of, or literally by the face of, eli hakoyin. Um, so what does it mean that he's serving Hashem by the face of eli hakoyin? So on the simplest level, according to some of the Mitsudo says, that he was serving directed by Eli. Eli told him what to do. So like in front of Eli, he was doing the service, doing the Avodah. Rashi says, he says that from here we learn that when you're Mishamesh, when you serve a tzaddik, a Talmud Chacham, it's like you're serving Hashem himself. So Shmuel devoted himself to serving Hashem through being the servant of Eli HaKoyin. Eli HaKoyin is a tzaddik, of the time, is the Kohen Gadol at the time, and Shmuel serves him, and through him is serving Hashem. Um, and through through, through him is he's inspired to really, to properly connect to Hashem. The Chida brings from the Ariza. The Ariza says that when a person really wants to understand something in Torah that they're not able to understand, so one should picture in their mind the Tzaddik that taught them the words of Torah. Because our connection to the Torah is through the tzaddikim who give us the Torah. In fact, the Arizal himself was famous for when he didn't, uh, when he wanted to understand a passage in Torah or a passage in, the, in Gemara, a better, he would try to connect to the neshama of the tzaddik that taught that Torah in the world. He would go to the caver of the tzaddik. He would be misyached, unify himself with the neshama of that tzaddik in order to receive from that tzaddik. So the Chida says that's the pshat in this pasuk. That it says that the, that the Nar Shmuel of Meshari says Hashem, as Pinei Eli Hakoyin, he always um, he always had the picture of Eli Hakoyin in his mind, and through that he was able to delve deeper and deeper um, into Nevuah, into his uh, into becoming a, a holier and holier person as he was destined to be. Okay, so that's Shmuel. Now we we move on to a not so happy part of the story, and that is while Shmuel is in the Mishkan of Hashem. And Shmuel is growing as the next Navi. We have the uh, the sons of Eli Hakoin. And the sons of Eli Hakoin, their name are Chafni and Pinchas. But Chafni and Pinchas were not acting in the way that was befitting of them. Um, there was them, and under them there was the different Kohenim that were serving. And the Pasuk is very harsh on them. It says that they were very, their service in the Besamikdash was uh, was not appropriate at all. And what the first thing the Pasuk tells us about is that they would, 
be very into taking um, taking uh, part of the meat of all the karbanes that people brought. People would bring karbanes to Hashem in Shilai, and they made it like a personal thing. They uh, you had to pay. You had to pay to come bring a karban to Shilai, and uh, they took um, they took uh, fees. And their fees were primarily from the food. People brought animals for karbanes, and they would immediately come. The Pasuk says, it describes, they would come with a big fork, and as soon as you shechted your karban, they would take a big portion for themselves. And in fact, the Pasuk says that they went so far that even sometimes before the karban was brought up on the Mizbeach, so the the parts, you know, every karban, every uh, sacrifice has the parts that are brought up on the Mizbeach, and there's the parts then that are consumed by the owners of the carbon and there's parts that are given to the Kayanim, but they were very into uh, receiving their parts and they would come take even before um, even before the uh, the person, even before the the part was, uh, the even before the parts that were brought to the Mizbeach were brought to the Mizbeach. And the Pasuk says, V'atihi chatas hanaorim g'doyla me'oid es Hashem That the sins of these young Kayanim who were the sons of Eli, and the ones who helped them, their sinfulness uh, became, was, was very, very severe in the eyes of Hashem. There's a general rule in Torah, and that is that the greater one is, and the closer one is to places of holiness, the more strictly they're judged. So being that they were kaihanim, and they were serving in the house of Hashem in Shiloh, of them was expected the highest level or of moral behavior and ethical ethical behavior. And if here they were becoming just people who were into making sure that they got their uh, fees, even if those fees were coming to them, but they took them with uh, with this uh, just uh, unethical way and with, with abandon. So it says that in Hashem's eyes, their sin grew greater and greater every day. And as we're going to see, that this is going to have some very harsh repercussions. At the same time, while this is going on, that the Kayanim that are serving in Shiloh are acting inappropriately, Shmuel continues to grow. The Pasuk says, Shmuel Meshari says Panei Hashem, Na'ar Chagur Eifod Bad. Shmuel continues serving Hashem and he wears a special, um, it seems there was a special type of garment, Eifod Bad. We know we know the word Eifod from the garment of the Kohen Gadol, which is like a type of an apron. So there was the Eifod, made of silk, that Special that's basically tzaddikim wore tzaddikim neviim on um, the special garments and Shmuel although he was still a child was already wearing this ephod bad and in fact the pasuk goes on to tell us something very interesting and very beautiful and that is that his mother Hannah even though on the one hand she had left her son here in the Mishkan and she had returned home but she would come back every so often and always bring for her son Shmuel a new garment a new meil. Um, and as, the Pasuk is interesting, telling us that as Shmuel grew, she always brought every time she came back for Yom Tev to Shiloh, we, we, we remember that Chana uh, and Elkanah were very into the mitzvah of Aliyah Leregel, so they were always coming to the Mishkan a few times a year. She would always bring new sets of clothing for Shmuel as he was growing into a young man, because again, she left him there when he was like a baby, two years old, and says, Me'il koton tasel loy imoy, a small garment, a small me'il, um, his mother made for him, and every time she came up, she would bring him a new garment, um, so that he's as as a servant of Hashem, as someone who is growing in the ways of Nivua, should always have the appropriate garments of a Navi at the time. Um, the pastor goes on to say, 
that one of the times when she came back, Chana, together with Elkanah, Eli sees them, and he says, he gives them a new bracha. And he says, May Hashem ben she with more children. Right? You ask then for that one child that you promised to dedicate to Hashem, and that bracha obviously was fulfilled, and Shmuel is growing in the ways of Hashem. But he says, Yasem Hashem lechazera you should have more children. Um, all in response to that initial request that you asked for children. And the pastor goes on to say that she and her husband went on to have another three sons and another two daughters. Um, we don't we don't know much about them and what happened, but they stayed home. They, they didn't stay in the Mishkan. No, so she had five children who she and her husband Elkanah had then and, and grew. Um, again, to my knowledge... I don't know that they are famous in any other way, aside from being the brothers and sisters of Shmuel Hanavi, but I don't know that they appear in the story later. But that was a special additional bracha from Eli, which was um, fulfilled over the next couple of years. Okay. The Pasuk goes on. We're still in the middle of chapter 2. Still in the middle of Perak Beis. The Pasuk goes on and says, Eli zakin ma'id. At this point already, Eli has become quite old, or very old. And he hears that his sons are not doing good, that his sons are not behaving appropriately. And then it says something which is quite shocking. It says, you know, before we learned that the, the sins of the sons were that they were taking too much uh, food um, offerings from the karbanis, too much meat from the karbanis. But then it says, Ve'es asher yishkevun pesach Which makes it sound like they laid with or did had adultery, adulterous um, relationship, relationships with women who had come to the Mishkan. That's what the words are. Asher Yishkevun So, which would put them in a whole different bracket. There's a big difference between taking extra fees of food and adultery. So the Gemara says, and it's uh, all of Mepharshim bring from the Gemara, that it doesn't mean that they were actually adulterous. They were Kayanim, and they were Kayanim in the Mikdash, and they weren't adulterers. What it means is that they, they did another offense that Hashem took with the ultimate seriousness. And that is, women would come with their karbanis. And many of these karbanis were necessary for a woman to bring so that she and her husband, she would be permitted to her husband. Like if she was tummy for one, um, after, a, after a woman gives birth, so she has to bring her karban in order to become tahir. Um, if a woman is a zava, um, there's different types of tuma and tahara where in order for the husband and the wife to be able to, re, to, um, to resume um, intimacy, the woman has to bring karbanis. Now, these child sons of Eli weren't in a rush. Right? They, they weren't in a rush just because a person's waiting for their karban, so they have to bring it today. So they made him wait a day or two or three. So the women were stuck in Yerushalayim waiting to bring their karbanis. The husbands are wherever the husbands are out of town. And because of that, because they weren't careful, to try to be as quick as possible and taking care of everyone's obligations. Therefore, for again, for people of their stature, the Torah considers it as if they actually committed adultery with these women. That's how the Gemara explains this pasuk about the sons of Eli. So now we so now we learn that the sons of Eli were sinful, both in the fact that they that they would take uh, food for themselves, both uh, and as well as in the fact is that they weren't uh, careful or scrupulous with their service as kayanim, of making sure that everyone's carbon is taken care of immediately and everyone's uh, t- tahara is reached immediately. So, 
Eli hears of this, and it says at this point, Eli is very old, and he hears that his sons are not behaving appropriately, and he gives them Musr. He tells them, why do you do such things? That I hear about you, that you're doing negative things. This is not good, what I'm hearing about you. He says, obviously, he says, Hashem will judge those who are, those who are, uh, who are serving in his, in his own home. And if you're not serving appropriately... So Eli begs his sons to change their ways. But the Pasik says, avihem. They do not listen to the voice of their father. And then it says something, Because Hashem, Hashem wanted to put them to death. What does that mean? They didn't listen to the words of their father because Hashem wanted to put them to death. And what that means is, we know the Rambam talks about this, that one of the worst punishments that Hashem can give a person is when He makes that their heart is really blocked from even um, from even doing tshuva. That even when things, when they get, when they hear that uh, you know, words of Musr, or even when things happen that should inspire them to change their ways, but they're so stuck in their path that they don't listen. So they could listen, but they're so stuck in their path, they're so um, heavy. That you know, Hashem's punishment, the greatest punishment to sinfulness is when the sinfulness becomes something that entraps the person. Um, a little bit of that we have, like for, for example, for Pari and Mitzrayim. That Hashem says, Ki kavid leif Pari. Pari's heart was so hardened that he that even with all the miracles and even everything, he didn't have the ability anymore. Or it would be very, very difficult for him to change. And the same is with the sons of Eli. Being that Hashem was so upset with them for the fact that for so many years already they were serving in the Beis HaMikdash and serving inappropriately, so their punishment was that their hearts were so heavy, they were so entrapped in their ways that even when their father gave them these words of Musa, they did not sh- they did not listen and they did not change their ways. The Pasuk continues and says, Vayavoy ish Elohim el Eli A man of Hashem comes to Eli vayoymer elav and tells, to, and tells Eli. Who is the Ish Elohim that's coming to Eli? I can't hear. The Ish Elohim, who's the man of God aside from Eli? Is it, is it Pinchas again? No, no, no. Good. Oh, good. Very good, very good guess because Pinchas keeps on showing up. But it's not Pinchas, it's Elkanah. Elkanah, the father of Shmuel, who's the other great tzaddik of that time. So it's interesting, the Pasuk doesn't say who it was, but Chazal, the Gemara Rashi, tell us that it was Elkanah. So Vayavi Yishalikim Eli, a man of Hashem, comes to Eli Vayemere love, and he says to him, and he gives him this whole, really very, very uh, powerful Musr, but, but in a very beautiful way. He says, I revealed myself to your father in Mitzrayim. And that's revealed to Aaron HaKoyin. Remember, Eli is a Koyin Godel, right? So Elkanah is telling Eli, that I revealed myself, Hashem, again, the man of Hashem is saying in the name of Hashem to Eli, that I reveal myself to your parents in Eretz Yisrael, and I chose your parents from all of the Shvatim, the, the Shevet Levi, L'Koyhen, to be Koyhanim, Lalis al Mizbechi, to come and serve for me at Mizbeach, and to bring the Ktairas, and to wear the garments of Kahuna. And I gave this gift to the house of your fathers. And now you are, are abusing Abusing the, the, the privilege of being Koyanim. Now it's interesting that Eli was a tzaddik. And why is Eli being rebuked? It was his sons who did it. And his sons acted inappropriately. 
But Chazal say, and again, here is where we see the harshness sometimes, for those who are greatest. Chazal say, Eli did not rebuke early enough and not harshly enough. Eli was the Kohen Gadol. His sons were, at, were abusing the powers of Kahuna. He should have been on top of it earlier, and even at the end when he rebuked them, says it wasn't tough enough. He talked to them privately. He called them into a room. He said, children, change your ways. Chazal say he should have embarrassed them. He should have publicly, um, um, t- um, say, uh, uh, how do you say, uh, deposed them, take them, take them away from being the Kayanim. And therefore, Eli here is actually being chastised, is being rebuked for what his sons are doing. It, it, it was felt that he didn't rebuke them enough. And this is all Elkanah says. He says that, that your children are abusing my karbonis. um Hashem. And therefore, Hashem says, He says, Kahuna will stay in the family of Levi, but not in your family anymore. There will not be Kahuna Gedela. There will never be a Kahin Gadel from the family of Eli or his sons. In fact, it will return. And here it says a Pasuk, which actually we might um, we might recognize this Pasuk from Pirkei Avos. The Pasuk says, Ki yekalu. Hashem says, Those who honor me, I will honor. And those who insult me will, will, stop, will stop existing. And that we say that in the Pirkei Avos, it talks about in the fourth chapter, Ezel Mechubad, who is... Uh, Honored one who honors everyone who brings this pasuk from this prophecy said to Eli Akoyim, and Hashem says that your fa- family who are serving in the base of Mikdash did not honor me. Did they, in fact they, they abused their privilege, and therefore the Kahuna Gedola will be taken away from your family and go back to the family of Pinchas. And let's remember, Aaron has two. Aaron had two sons. He had Elazar and Isamar. Eli came from Isamar's line. Pinchas came from Elazar. And basically Hashem is saying that even though Eli was a Kohen Gadol who served faithfully for 40 years, nevertheless from this point and on, um, the Kahuna Gedola will be taken from them. Um, and and he, he goes on and he says... Silverberg, yes. Reverend, but what about uh, regular Kohanim? Will, they, will, will there still be regular yes, Kohanim? Yes, 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 yes. Their, their family did not change, shave it. You know, you, you don't, you can't really become Ice Kohen. If you're a Kohen, you're a Kohen. But as far as serving Kunagdoila, you will not. In fact, he goes on to describe, he says that you'll have grandchildren, great-grandchildren, and they'll be Kohanim, and they'll look with a certain level of desire that they would want to attain the level of being Kohen Gadol, but they will not be able to. And he goes he goes further, he says, Vichalmar Beischa Yamusu Anoshim. He says, and the majority of your descendants will die young. That's what Yamusu Anoshim. They'll die as young men. He says, interesting, the Gemara says, not children and not old people, but like middle-aged, you know, young men, which is the most painful time when a person um, when a person passes away. It's interesting, the Gemara says a story that in Yerushalayim, there was a family, this is, we're talking about the 2,000 years ago, there's a family that somehow all of the young men in the family, when they turned 18 or 19 years old, would die. So they came to Rabbi Yochanan ben Zakkai, and they said, what's going on with this family? It was like a plague. Every, this family, whenever they turn 18 or 19, the men die. So Rabbi Yochanan ben Zakkai says, he says, do a little bit uh, research. Look it up on, uh, on the internet. You'll see they come from Eli. And this is part of the curse that was told to Eli. 
this is this is a thousand years after the story of Eli. But Rabbi Yochum gave them advice. He says, let them go and involve themselves in Torah study. And that zuchus will give them the ability to overcome that curse. And that's what happened. The Gemara says that family became people who were very heavily involved in Torah study, and they lived long lives, and that family were called the children of Rabbi Yochanan, even though they weren't children of Rabbi Yochanan. But it was because of Rabbi Yochanan's advice and his bracha to them, that if they go and involve themselves in Torah, they'll be able to, so to speak, overturn um, that that klala that was given to the descendants of Eli. And Elkanah finished his words to Eli by saying, This will be the sign that these words will happen, um, that both of your sons, Chafni and Pinchas, will die in one day, which is going to happen later. I don't think we'll get to there tonight, but in, in a terrible war against the Plishtim, that the two sons of Eli die in that day. And then he says, Hashem says, I will, I will, I will um, appoint a new Kayan, a, tr- a trustworthy Kayan, who will be, um, who will be, um, trust, uh, who, who will, uh, who will be able to serve properly according to what's expected of him, and your children will always just be um, Kayanim that will have to come on to the Kayan Godel of that time. Okay, I'm sorry. Someone just wrote a message and I lost it. One second, what is that? When Pinchas was given the son Kahuna, wasn't it promised that he would be a Kohen Gadol? Okay, Pinchas was a Kohen Gadol. He was. But now at this, but but not forever. At this point, Eli was serving as the Kohen Gadol. And now Eli's, and then Eli's sons were... But then, this from the time of this Klala and on, Eli's son, there would not be Kahuna Gedola again in, Eli, in Eli's family. Okay, that is the end of chapter 2 of Perig Beis. Let's, let's jump in and do um, Perig or at least part, or maybe, let's see, maybe the whole Perig We'll do it quickly. Um, the Pasuk begins, going back to Shmuel. We, we went off on a tangent with Eli and the sons. Back to Shmuel. Shmuel is a child. And it says that at this time, there is not a lot of nevuah going on. There's not a lot of nevim. It says, Dvar Hashem yakor The word of Hashem to a person was very precious. Ein chazon nifrots, which means there wasn't a lot of nevuah happening at this time when Shmuel was growing up in the house of Hashem. And now we have the beautiful story of the first time that Shmuel is given a nevuah from Hashem. And the way the Pasuk describes it is that it was by night, and Eli was already laying in his place, Shochev Bimkoma. Eli already, his eyes were becoming dim, because Eli is quite old. And it says, and we'll discuss this in a moment, that the lights of the menorah of the base of the, of the Mishkan did not were not extinguished. And Shmuel was Shmuel Shochev Behechal Hashem. Again, Shmuel lived in the Mishkan. So Shmuel is laying in the Hechal Hashem, in the sanctuary of Hashem, um, where the Aron is. And Hashem calls to Shmuel. And this is again the first time that Shmuel, who's going to be one of the greatest Nevi'im of Kali Yisrael ever, this is his first Nevi'ah. Hashem calls to Shmuel. He calls Shmuel by his name, Shmuel. Shmuel is laying in his bed. If he's asleep or half asleep, I don't know. And Shmuel says, He named me. I'm ready. But Shmuel did not think, even for a moment, that Hashem is speaking with him. As we're going to see, like all great tzaddikim of Kali Yisrael, one of Shmuel's strongest traits was his tremendous humility. And it did not 
dawn on Shmuel that Hashem is speaking to him. I mean, I guess most of us don't typically think when we hear someone calling our name that Hashem is speaking to us. But Shmuel was in the Mishkan, and Hashem is calling to him, but he doesn't think it's Hashem. Who does he think it is? It must be Eli, because Shmuel is serving Eli. So Shmuel runs to Eli, and he says, I'm here. Eli says, I didn't call you. Go back to sleep. Go back to your place. Shmuel goes back to his bed, and again he hears his name being called. Shmuel. Shmuel jumps up, and again he goes to Eli. I'm here, Eli. I'm here. Eli says, I didn't call you. Go back to your bed. Shmuel still doesn't recognize, realize that it's Hashem talking to him. And Hashem calls Shmuel a third time. And then Shmuel again jumps up and runs to Eli. Shmuel comes to Eli and says, I'm here because you called me. Eli understood that Hashem is calling to the child. And Eli tells Shmuel, he says, go back to your bed and lay down. And if you hear the voice calling you again, say, Daber Hashem ki shomea avdecha. If you, hear, if you hear your name being called again, respond to Hashem and say, Hashem, speak because your servant is listening. Shmuel goes back and lays down. Sure enough, Hashem calls him a third time. Hashem comes again and calls Shmuel. Shmuel, Shmuel says, speak, because your servant is listening. This is the first nevuah. So, uh, two points before we go on to what Hashem tells Shmuel, is Chazal t- t- uh, tell us here about Shmuel's tremendous humility. And they tell it to us, really, in, we see it here in two ways. The first thing is, it doesn't dawn on Shmuel, Hashem is speaking with him. Not only that, even after Eli told Shmuel that when Hashem calls you the next time, say, Daber Hashem, ki avdecha, Shmuel doesn't say that. Shmuel says, Daber, ki avdecha. He doesn't say, Daber Hashem, because Shmuel still couldn't believe Hashem is speaking with him. So that was the first thing. Shmuel did not think that he was worthy that Hashem should speak with him. The other fascinating thing is, so what did Shmuel yes think? He thought that Eli is calling him. Right? So he, Eli called him once. Shmuel jumps out of bed and goes running. No, not calling. So he goes back. Eli calls him again. He jumps out of bed comes running again. He calls him a third time. He jumps out of bed and goes running out again. He never said, you know what? <laughs> if he wants to talk to me, let him come to me. Now, that never dawned on Shmuel. As long as he thinks that his teacher, his Rebbe is calling him, he's ready to run once, a second time, a third time. And here Chazal say, if Shmuel would have just said, you know what? Maybe Eli is calling. Let him come. Then he never would have had that first nevuah. That first nevuah required for him to show that dedication to his teacher. The humility that if my teacher is calling, I'm running again, once, twice, a third time, all in the middle of the night, Shmuel would never tire of running to his teacher who he served with tremendous, uh, with tremendous devotion. So this was Shmuel's humility. But after, after the fourth time, even Shmuel recognizes that Hashem is speaking with him. And Hashem speaks to Shmuel, and Hashem tells him, a very, a very uh, difficult nevuah. And that is basically a continuation of the nevuah that his father, Elkanah, had told Eli, which is the nevuah of the destruction of the house of Eli. Um, Hashem says, I want you to go back and tell Eli that everything that I said that was going to happen is going to happen. Ki ani es beso ad olam. I am judging his home forever because of the sin that he knew that his sons were abusing 
the kahuna, and he didn't properly rebuke them. Um, and and goes on. He says there's a few psukim of that, and one of the psukim it says im yischaper avon beis Eli baola ubemincha. He says that the, the sin of the house of Eli will not be able to be atoned for with an ola, a carbon ola, or a carbon mincha. But it's interesting, every word in the Pasuk is exact. It says, the sin won't be atoned for with karbanos, say chazal, but with Torah study, with gemilas chasadim, there could be atonement even for that sin. And in the Gemara, it talks about a number of great tzaddikim who were actually descendants of Eli, and through their terror, through their good deeds, were able to um, be tremendous tzaddikim and overcome the curse of the house of Eli. In fact, two of the greatest sages of the Gemara are Abaye and Rabbah. And the Gemara says that Abaye and Rabbah were both from base Eli. They're both descendants from the house of Eli. And it says the Rabbah, who was always involved in Torah study, lived 40 years, even though the curse would be to die earlier. And Abaye, who was involved in Torah study and in Gemilas Chasadim, lived 60 years. That's because through Torah, through Gemilas Chasadim, they were able to bring some level of tshuva, at least that the curse of the house of Eli should not affect them. And that is the, um, that was basically the nevuah that Hashem gives Shmuel to tell Eli. Now, Shmuel is not running to tell this to Eli. You realize Eli is his teacher, Eli is his Rebbe, and this is a very harsh nevuah to Eli. So the Pasuk says Shmuel went back to sleep, he went back to his bed, he didn't go to Eli. And in the morning Shmuel woke up and he started taking care of the Karbanas, taking care of the Mishkan, and Eli calls Shmuel. And Eli calls Shmuel and says, what are the words that Hashem told you? Do not hide anything from me. says, Heaven help you if you hide from me anything that you were told by Hashem to tell me. And therefore Shmuel told Eli everything that was told to him. And Eli's response was, Hashem who? Hashem is the master. Whatever is good in his eyes, he will do. And the um, the Perik finishes up. Vayigal Shmuel, Shmuel grew up, grew, grew, got older. Hashem was with him, and nothing that Shmuel said um, did not come to pass. Now, whether it was Nevuah that Shmuel said, or anything that he said, Shmuel was such a tremendous sadik, any word that came forth from his mouth was fulfilled. Vayeda kol Yisrael, midon va'ad Beersheva. All the Jewish people from Don until Beersheva knew, ki nemon Shmuel lenovi lahashem, that Shmuel was known as the faithful Navi of Hashem. And then it says that now, once Shmuel became a Navi, Nevuah started again being something that many were able to have Nevuah. Because if you recall, at the beginning of this paragraph, the Pasuk said that in the times of Shmuel, when he was just starting, there was very little Nevuah. But now, Vayosef Hashem leheiro'oi b'shiloi, Hashem now again shows himself, reveals himself in Shiloi, Kinigla Hashem el Shmuel b'shiloi, because Hashem is revealed to Shmuel and through Shmuel, not just through Shmuel, not just for Shmuel, but for many others as well. And that is the end of Perek Beis. Um, I want to conclude with one interesting statement that Chazal say, and that is at, at the beginning of this story in this chapter, when you have um, it says that Eli is is, is laying down. And Shmuel is laying down, and that's when he had that first nevuah to, to Shmuel, and Shmuel comes running to Eli. But the Pasuk is very interesting. It says, 
Eli Shochev Bimkomo, Eli is laying in his place, and Neir Elokim Terem Yichbe, the, literally, the candelabra of Hashem was not extinguished, Ushmuel Shochev Behechel Hashem, and Shmuel is also laying in the Hechel of Hashem. So it's an interesting statement that the, the, that the Pasuk tells us, that you should know the menorah wasn't extinguished, extinguished yet. So I guess on a pshat level, it means it was just the beginning of the evening, or, or whatever it was, at least it was at some point the menorah was still light. But why is that an important part of the story? So the Gemara says something very beautiful, that the Pasuk means something much deeper. And it's not talking about the Nair Hashem, it's not talking about the literal menorah. It's talking about the concept that it's written, that when one tzaddik passes on, Hashem sees to it that there's another tzaddik in his place, um, in order to continue shining the light of, of, of Hashem, the light of Hashem and the light of the Torah. And that's really what the Pasuk means. It says, Eli is getting old. Shmuel is still a child. So the light of Eli, when it says the Neir Hashem, the candle of Hashem wasn't extinguished, it was referring to Eli, not the menorah. That Eli wasn't yet extinguished. But Shmuel was growing. Because now that Shmuel is growing, and Shmuel is becoming the Navi, is going to be the end of the reign, so to speak, of Eli being the tzaddik of the generation, the coin of the generation. And that's going to pass on to Shmuel. As the Pasuk says, um, Kehelas, that as one sun goes down, the new sun comes up. When one tzaddik is departing, the other tzaddik is there to take his place. And that's what's being referred to in the beginning of this parak about the candle of Eli that's going to be um, transferred to Shmuel, who's going to be the next tzaddik and the next leader of that time, of that time period. And that's the end of Perak Gimel. And then Perak Dalit is the story of the great, of the terrible battle with the Plishtim and the, um, really the fulfillment of the curse to the family of Eli. And Bezras Hashem, I would like to try to cover that next week in your session. Yes. Rabbi Silverberg, I have um, two questions. One is, you said that when Shmuel became